0: Well, good evening. How is everyone tonight? There is no script for our service tonight, at least not my part. So it's your turn. Pick some favorite songs. We'll use the hymnal. And if Loretta has a fast title search thing, she can put them up there. as She has a couple them up, but uh, <laughs> they're saying no. <laughs> They'll pass. All right, so we'll use the hymnal if you need it. All right, so I'll start us off with the first song in the book, which is My Faith is Found a Resting Place, and while we're singing a couple of verses of this, think of the song you like to sing, and we'll just hit one or two verses of some of your favorite songs. All right? It's number one. It's the first song in the book. Oh, okay. Sorry. It's number one. All right. Yeah. <laughs> My. 428. Does Jesus care? 428. my soul. Day came out of a great distress and grief when, he, when his wife passed away, and he went into a great period of depression for a couple of years, and then it was Christmas Day, that third year, that he heard the church bells ringing on Christmas Day, and he wrote that whole entire song that day, when he heard the church bells on Christmas Day, and he, that helped him to deal with the grief of the loss of his wife, and so, um, do we have that song in our book? It's in the Majesty yeah. book. Uh, all right. Well, we'll pass on singing it. But all right, another one. Yep. Keenan. One
1: hundred
0: 100. and fourteen. One hundred and fourteen. The first Noel. <laughs> Okay, so we sang the first song in the book and the last song in the book. (laughs) We made it all the way through, folks. All right, all that thrills my soul. stand up. We'll see in this live we'll stand up. 155.
2: you all here? It's a little bit sparse. It's the holidays, and we don't have a wana, of course, and things like that it always changes things up a little bit. But we're glad to have you guys here. Uh, if you did not already hear, you might have already seen on Facebook or whatever. But uh, Brother Robert is here, but he his cancer has come back and come back with a vengeance. It's uh, in his hip, moving into his spine, and so um, we need to be praying for him as they uh, decide now. How to move forward on dealing with this cancer, and uh, he knows he's here. He knows the situation, and he's trusting the Lord. And, but that doesn't mean he doesn't need our prayers and need a hug every now and again. So you can share those around uh, as uh, the Lord lays him on your heart. This morning, Ken McKinney had a shot in his neck. I'm not sure you know how it came out, to be honest with you, but they did a shot trying to take care of some some uh, spine pain there. So uh, pray for Ken. A uh, week from tomorrow is the memorial service for Barney, so if you would remember to pray for Miss Jan and the things that are going there, it'll be at uh, noon as visitation, one o'clock is the service, and so uh, there, he's going to be cremated, it's going to be a celebration of life service, so, you know, just so you know, but um, anyway, that's going to be happening a week from tomorrow. Um, so anyway, when you get together for prayer tonight, you can keep those things in your prayers. Anybody else have a prayer request you'd like to share that everybody would know before we jump into the study? Yes, let's share. So you have dry macular re- regeneration, degeneration. It's right? It's already wet, and wet is the worst. That's what you don't want. And so we're praying that. Uh, so they got an alert today because she does a monitor every day, and they uh, it went through as an alert. So we're praying that that would not have progressed. So or degressed, however you want to look at it. Yes. mom fell, banged her head on the front door, got a whiplash as well as a concussion, so uh, pray for her. You may or may not know this either, but David uh Klingeman's leaving for Guam on Monday uh, to be with his family for a couple of weeks, so pray for him as he's going. He's excited about being able to go. He would have gone for Christmas, but uh, the teenagers have their winter camp this weekend, so he's staying for that, and then he'll take off, but uh, pray for him with that.
1: Doc?
2: I continue to pray for my brother-in-law, Steve, and family still need a job. Still need a job, okay. So uh, pray for Steve. They were down at Bob Jones, and things have changed there, so just pray for him and the job situation there. Let's pray. Father, we love you so much. We thank you for the opportunity to study your word together, to grow in your grace, to be challenged. And we pray that you would just meet with us as we uh, begin this study tonight. We bring all of these different uh, things before you. Pray that you would just touch bodies, heal them up. Lord, we especially like with Robert, we pray that you just remove the cancer. May doctors just stand in awe at what you can do. Thank you that he's willing to trust you with this and pray that you would give their them wisdom and doctors' wisdom as they move forward. Be with these other things that we've mentioned and just uh, touch bodies, heal them up, and Lord, just uh, give doctors' wisdom there. Uh, open up doors of opportunity for those in need, and just pray that you would uh, help us to uh, have to look for ways to be a blessing to those around us. Give traveling mercies to the many families that are going back and forth during the holiday times, and just uh, bring everybody back home safely. And Father, we will thank and praise you. Bless our study tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Pray for the teenagers as they're getting ready for their uh, winter camp this weekend. And uh, so pray for Brett as he's away for the holiday, and the college students as they're meeting over there, I know that they would all appreciate it. We're starting a new study tonight, and this is just me making this all up, so I'm calling it Spanning the Testaments. It is a view of various personages who were spoken of in both the Old and New Testament. All right? Not everybody in the Old Testament made it to the New, right? And virtually no one in the New Testament shows up in the Old, except for Jesus, of course, right? That was an Obvious there's one other person we're going to look at uh, that kind of goes backward in that. But uh, anyway, uh, So, <clears throat> but um, we're looking at this concept of spanning uh, the Testaments and just seeing how the Lord just kind of pulls the whole story together as we're looking at it. And we're going to start where you might expect that we would start, right at the very beginning. Uh, so let's just take a look at this. Adam, uh, before we take a look at that too much, uh, this, let me just bring some things up about this that I, I found Personally surprising. You're going to see this on the slide in just a moment. That's why I put the slide away. But do you think Adam is a pretty major figure of the Scripture? I would, I would say yes, right? Would it surprise you that Adam is called by name in the Bible only 27 times? Isn't that amazing? Old and New Testaments together. Only twenty seven times. Now, there are other verses that are in reference to Adam that don't use his name, you know, but even that, you're gonna be surprised how little there really is about Adam. Uh I was surprised, uh this one wasn't new to me, but I've been surprised for a long time that in all of the Bible no one else is named Adam. Now, you know, that doesn't mean somebody else wasn't named Adam in all of history, right? But In the Bible, there's no other recorded person named Adam. Now, can you understand maybe? I I think I might be able to figure out why, but can you understand why that might be? Say what? Well, it could be. Yeah, he's best known for a pretty major failure. It's like, who wants to name their kid Adam, right? I don't know. Uh, I was... This morning I was reflecting. The only other Ichabod I've ever heard of is in in uh, you know in uh, the story of Ichabod Crane, right? Has anybody ever known anybody named Ichabod? Besides the fact that it's a really bad name, you know, it uh, it also carries with it. I mean, who would want to name their kid Ichabod? The glory of God has departed, right? That that wouldn't be very good. Uh, we used to have hmm, some of you might remember her a few years back. Maybe 10 to 15 years ago, uh, she's with the Lord now. But a lady was attending our church, and her name was—I remember uh, an unusual name—Delilah. Her name was Delilah. Delilah was in her 70s, I think. And I preached on Samson and Delilah, and she came up to me and afterwards she'd never heard that story. She's in her 70s and never heard the story. And she comes up and says, I cannot believe my parents named me Delilah. <laughs> and then she said, I can't wait to go home and tell my sister Jezebel. No, I'm just kidding.
1: <laughs> she just,
2: I'm kidding about that. She didn't say that. <laughs> but it's like, that is kind of an unusual name to pick, right? Delilah. If you know, if you have a Delilah, I'm sorry. But, you know, there's, it's kind of an unusual name to pick. Most people probably wouldn't not pick that one. But Adam, anyway doesn't show up anywhere else else in the scripture. There are several names in the scripture that are used multiple times. Adam's not one of them. So 27 times in the scripture, one of those times is not in reference really to Adam. There's a city named Adam. And one of those 27 times that the name Adam is used, so now we're down to 26 times that the name Adam is recorded in the scripture. And many of those times are in the genealogies, so-and-so begat, so-and-so begat, so-and-so the son of Adam. You understand? I mean, it's, there's really nothing in the, in the passage that's about Adam. So almost everything we know about Adam comes in the first five chapters of Genesis and a couple of passages in the New Testament. That's almost everything we know about Adam, other than the fact that... Now, I want to tell you this. The word Adam means human being, man, mankind. That's what it means. So the word Adam, and sometimes even the reference for Adam, is not translated in your Bible as capital A-D-A-M. It's translated man, and that word, that Hebrew word, is used 527 times in the Bible. All right, so it shows up a little more often there. So we're going to look at Adam and just kind of have a discussion about this. And this morning, we did not get to the New Testament. So I don't know if we'll get there or not today or tonight or not, but I, I'm going to say I doubt it. Um, 16 times the name Adam is used in Genesis, one time in Deuteronomy, one time in uh First Chronicles, Job, Luke, Romans, and Jude. One time for each of those. Luke is, is a genealogy, just so you know. Two times in First Corinthians and two times in First Timothy. And then, of course, 527 times is that same word, but not translated Adam, but translated man. And I, I did not take Hebrew, uh, so I avoided that like the plague. Uh, so I was talking to uh, David, who's in the middle of taking Hebrew, and Josh, who's getting his MDiv and just about to finish up his master not MDiv, but his master's is in what? Languages, right? Biblical languages. So I said, hey, let's talk about this. Because it shows up how, does, how do we distinguish between the, the word man and the name Adam? You know, and for the most part, what we can find is there's a definite article, the man the man and that becomes translated in your King James Bible as Adam and so that's you know where it's showing up there it's a it's just an unusual uh, circumstance but there's a couple of things about this that are going to be okay I, I need to say this right up front if it bothers you that God doesn't explain everything about himself you're not going to want to be here this is not going to be your study because we're going to get to a really weird thing regarding Adam in just these first few chapters of Genesis that it's going to be tough to explain. I'm just being honest. It's going to be really difficult for, for us to, to put together, and I'm going, to, I'm going to just throw it out there, and I'm, I, here's the problem. I'm not going to give you the answer when we're done because I don't know it either. I mean, I'm saying if it bothers you that God doesn't explain everything to us, you're going to be disappointed when we get to this. All right, so let's just look at some events, right, as we're kind of going through. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 27 says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. i want to stop for a moment and say something here. God created man how? In what? In his image. Now we already know, I'm, I know I'm preaching to choir here, we know that we're not talking about the physical characteristic. God is... Not physical, as we think of God, right? Uh, the, unto the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God. Be honor and glory forever and ever. The, the, God's not uh, a being that can be confined to a, a space like a body. You understand? So when God makes us in his image, it's not, it's not physical. It's talking about our character. It's talking about our, our will, our ability to, to make a choice. Uh, it's talking about our ability to to reason and understand. Um, it's talking about self-awareness. All those things that kind of go into that, right? So that's being made in the image of God. But I want to show you this. It says, "Male and female created He them." So, which one was created in the image of God? Both. And I'm saying I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna say something that some people get squeamish about. But all of the things that make up a man, all of the the characteristics, that that image of God concept, that's from God. But also, everything that makes up a woman, God is, is big enough, if you let me use that phrase, to encompass both. Gender characteristics. Can I say it that way? Man and woman are both made in the image of God, and not just—it's it, it, all the distinguishing factors as well. You know, so we, when we think of them, of women, we think often that they're more sensitive and tender and compassionate. Do those things describe God? Do you know that there's a verse? Maybe somebody can find it because I can't think of it off the top of my head. That actually describes God as a mother. Not just a father. And we see all kinds of verses describing God as a father. But there's one that describes God as a mother. And it's it's a challenge for us to recognize that, you know, God, what does that mean then? If man and women, men and women, are both made in the image of God, then what does that mean? demand in our understanding. Think about it. They are equal. They are equal. There's equality in God's writing. God God created men and women, both of them. And he describes them both the same way, made in the image of God. By the way, it takes the exact same blood of Jesus Christ to take the sins away from a man as it does from a woman. The, the, the price for each soul is equal, right? It doesn't take more or less grace to save anyone else, right? There's equality because they're both made in the image of God. And I'm going to talk about this in a little bit stronger fashion, a little bit, because it's an amazing thing, you'll see it in just a moment. But let's go ahead and read verse 31. It says, And God saw everything that he made. I wrote this verse, or put this verse in there because uh, you already know this, but in all of the rest of the creation, in the evening morning, the first day, and God saw that it was good. And God saw it was good. And God saw that it was good. And it gets to the end of the sixth day after he's created man. And the Bible says, And it was very good. The only time God uses that phrase uh, in that creation concept, in the evening and morning were the sixth day. We got off on this this morning, but I mean, I, it's a given. I, I'm assuming we all know that God, knowing how stupid mankind is, I'm sorry, I shouldn't use that phrase, um, brutish mankind is, says, I'm going to define a day for him, right? And an evening and a morning were the day. So that when people say, a day is as a thousand years, a thousand years is a day, so you know we could fit all kinds of stuff into the creation story. Well, God did fit all kinds of stuff into the creation story, but he just did it in six literal days. And those days were just this, an evening and a morning. And I can prove it to you again when we get to Exodus chapter 20, God makes it very clear exactly what a day is. He said, because I worked for six days and created the world, and then on the seventh day I rested. I want you to work for six days, and on the seventh day, rest. Well, none of us in our understanding would say we're supposed to work for 6,000 years and then take 1,000 years off. None of us, right? We, We would never put that into the understanding of it. So why do we all... God literally and clearly defines what a day is, and he references it back to the creation It is a six-day work week, just like it is. So anyway, uh, somebody take Genesis chapter 5 and read it for me, please. Somebody turn to Genesis chapter 5. See it up there? And I put Adam and Eve with a question mark on purpose. So Genesis chapter 5, take a look at verse 2 and read it for me, please, somebody. Just when you get there, start reading. Can okay, you listen to this? Male and female created he them and blessed them and called their name Adam. Male and female created he them and one name goes to both of them. Their name. Called their name Adam. Now this is going to be important as we get into the events that are coming up. So just keep that thought in mind. Alright? So here in Genesis chapter 2, at the end of Genesis chapter 1, God says it was very good. He made male look what it says. Do you remember what it said in verse 31? If I can get it to go backwards. Can you get it to go backwards for me, please? Uh, one it says, And God saw that everything he'd made. It was behold, it was very good, and the evening and morning is the sixth day. So Oh, I'm sorry, in verse 27 it says he created male and female. So God has created men. Now we get to chapter 2. All right. So we're ready for chapter 2. Go to the next slide, please. I'm not sure if I can get it to work or not. There we go. And the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make an help meet for him. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought unto Adam to see what he would call them, and whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all the cattle and to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found and help meet. Just right. Just the right help that he needed for him. So here's my question. At the end of chapter 1, the Bible says he created them male and female. At the beginning of chapter 2... He says, Oh, Adam's alone, and I we're gonna see if we can find a help meet for him. And he names all of the animals, and I'm just asking you a question. How long did this take? How long did it take for Adam to name the animals? So now you've got to decide. Did all of this happen in one day? Was there was it was this 24 hour period enough time for Adam to become lonely and need help? To search through the animals and find no help? And I'm going to tell you that um you can say that. I am not giving you the answer because I don't know what the answer is, and I'm I've heard arguments on both sides. But Don't forget that in chapter 5 and verse 2, God referenced them both with the same title. Where did Eve come from? Out of Adam. So when God created Adam, Eve was there. He took Eve out of Adam. I don't know how long this takes. I suppose it can happen in a 24-hour period. It's in my mind. It's uh, that's one busy day for a man named Adam, and I don't know how you have time to get lonely. I'm just trying to say this. You know, I don't know how you ever get to that place of saying, "Oh, Adam needs help." In that process, you know, and so there's a thought that perhaps. Just like you and I are here, and we aren't, we aren't, we aren't um, in. How do I say this the right way? God did not form us in the same way that He created Adam and Eve, right? We are called procreation. We are called a continuation of the creation process. So we're part. We're procreated were part of the initial creation. But on the sixth day, creation ended, right? God stopped creating, and he rested. He rested from creating. And the rest of it is procreation. So there's a thought that Eve is in Adam, and it does not require creation. It requires separation, that God separated Eve from Adam. Read the story. That's what happens. He separates. So if that's the case, this could have been a week, a month. Adam could have named the animals. And just as surely as you and I are born, and it's not a new creation, it is procreation, that Eve was procreated from Adam Because in Genesis chapter 5, verse 2, God creates them and names them Adam. I'm just giving you thoughts, right? I don't know the answers. I really don't. All I know is this happens sometime between Adam's creation and Eve's appearance on the planet. Something happens. And what happens, and, and, and at creation, God said he created the male and female, and then Eve appears somehow later, whether it's later in hours or later in days and weeks. That's going to be up to you to decide, but you know, somehow this event takes place. All we know is the recorded event. This is what the Bible tells us about Adam. He named all of the animals. I have no idea... I have heard it said that you know we still use these is the same you know uh scientific roots that we use today. I have no idea where they I don't know if that's true or not. I couldn't tell you how much of our scientific root has uh of what Adam said. I know most of in our English language, most of our scientific root comes in the form of what language? Latin. And I don't think I don't think Adam was speaking Latin. So I don't know, you know, but I've heard it said that, so I don't know where the Latin people got them to begin with. So, the next event is that Eve comes on the scene, right? Uh, Whatever you want to put that timetable as, God creates Adam, Adam names the animals, then you get to this part of the story. The Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept and took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof, and the rib which the Lord had taken from man made he a woman and brought her forth unto the man. And Adam said, This is bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife, and they sh- shall be one flesh. It is interesting, by the way. Never mind, I'm not going to say that. It's just controversy, so okay. Um, But anyway, uh, so she's taken out of man. So remember, we go back, we go back, what did we find out about men and women? They are equal, both made in the image of God, both of them. There's, There's no inequality here. And so this does not lead to any other kind of inequality. They're, they're both made in the image of God. God's already declared that. Chapter 3 and verse 20, and then Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. So uh, we get to this point now, you know, the next chapter, where Eve is given a name. Uh, and uh, so this is the events that are taking place. So creation, Adam names the animals, Eve comes on the scene. We see that. Then the Bible says this, and they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Now here's what we don't know, another thing we don't know. How long did they live in this existence where they were not ashamed? The next event is going to be, we're at the end of chapter 2, the the beginning of chapter 3 is, now the serpent was more subtle than anybody else on the planet, and we're about to see the fall of man. What we're, if you just read the scripture, it almost seems like day six this happens, day seven they rest, day eight the serpent shows up, and, and every good thing goes into. I mean, it almost seems like it's just that fast. But the reality is, we don't know. We don't know how long they existed in this state of innocence. We don't know how long uh, that Adam was alone. We don't know this, this time frame. What we know is how long creation was: six days. Six literal days, God gives it to us. That's what we know so far. Uh, but these things about Adam that we're trying to learn, we don't know how long he existed in this place of innocence. i got to be really careful because this is just awkward with kids. But reading verse 25, um, it's possible that a, a reinstatement of our original place in this model means that we spend eternity in this kind of innocence. And we're clothed in the robe of Jesus Christ. I understand that, but, you know, it's uh, it's something for you to think about. I don't know. It has nothing to do with the messenger at all, What we're learning. So the next thing on the next event is the fall. We're in Genesis chapter 3. Now the servant was more subtle than any beast of the field which God made, and he said unto the woman... Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Now, I didn't put all of the story on there, right? So uh, what does the woman say in response? You shouldn't eat it, nor touch it. Nor touch it. And I've heard it preached, you know, is misquoting God. God didn't say anything about touching it. And I I can't argue that point. In fact, when, you, when it goes on, God's going to say what he said, and he doesn't say, Don't touch it. But I'm also going to tell you that we're, there's a lot that we're not given here, right? There's a lot that we're not given here. And how long is this period of innocence? And how long? I have a feeling, quite honestly, just to be honest with you, that God probably didn't want them to touch it. You, you understand? I mean, I don't think they were supposed to be hanging around it at all. That's just where they kind of find themselves. It's it's human nature, right? If you if you have a room full of toys put a kid in the room and say you can play with any toy you want, but that one, the kid gravitates to that one every time. It's just the, it's the nature of the beast. Nobody wants to go off the sidewalk until they pass the yard that says keep off the grass. And then there's something about it that you just want to get off the sidewalk. We don't, we don't like to be told what not to do. And So for whatever reason, they find themselves around this tree. You can deal with whatever you want to about Eve, but uh, the Bible doesn't magnify that point, so I'm not going to magnify it either. But verse, three, verse 6 says this, and when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave it to her husband with her, and he did eat. Now, Interestingly, you know, this is what sin is, right? You, there's a sermon right there. This is what sin is. Sin looks good, pleasant to the eyes. It, in, in, your, in your mind, it seems like it's good for everything, good for food, whatever. It's a tree to be desired, and that's going to get these people in trouble. Look at First Timothy chapter four, or chapter two, verse 14, down at the bottom. Look at what it says: Adam was not deceived. Adam was not deceived. Going back up to verse 6, you know, the serpent is subtle, and he is the one deceiving her, and the woman sees that it was good and all these kinds of things. She eats, then she gives to her husband because he's there, but the Bible declares in First Timothy chapter 2, Adam was not deceived. It wasn't like he was tricked into this. The woman might have been. Adam was not deceived. The woman was deceived. Look at what Timothy tells. But the woman being deceived was in the transgression. The woman was deceived. Adam went into this thing with his eyes wide open. He knew what this meant. So she was deceived. Maybe maybe God was just playing a game. Maybe God was trying to keep something from you. Adam not deceived. He knew. So this is why it's really important when the Bible puts the responsibility of the fall on Adam he was not deceived he walked right into it he li- now I've heard it preached from 1 Timothy chapter 2 that At- Adam loved Eve so much that he didn't want, her- want to lose her and he knew that sin was going to rip her away from him so he walked into sin willingly I've heard that preached I don't see it in the scripture. And I also would argue that there's nothing about sin that leans that way. Sin doesn't bring out people's compassion. It just doesn't. Sin brings out our pride, our stubbornness, our arrogance, our willfulness. That's what sin brings out. It doesn't bring out our compassion, right? So I don't buy it. That's just me. You can buy it if you want. I don't buy it. I don't buy that Adam was being gallant here and saying, Oh, Eve, I'll go with you into sin. Adam was not deceived. He knew what he was doing. He was plunging the world into sin. Uh, Verse 7 says, Then both their eyes were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Earlier it said they were naked and not ashamed. Now we get to verse 7 of chapter 3, and it's implied. It doesn't say it there. But why were they sewing fig leaves? Because now they were ashamed. Right? Now they were ashamed. Earlier they were naked and not ashamed. Now they're naked and like, uh uh-oh and uh, God's going to ask. So uh, that's the next event. We don't know much about Adam, but this is where we know so far. So uh, then we have the curse. I'm not going to go into the curse of the serpent. I'm running out of time here, but um, God curses the serpent for his involvement in the fall. Then God turns to the woman and says, unto the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception in sorrow. Thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. Look at this Parts of the fall, right? So, what was childbearing going to be like before the fall? Say that loud. A burp? Say what? I don't know. Here's what I know. I'm going to just go with the scripture. It was going to be without sorrow, and... That's a big deal, right? I know that it's got to be rough on you ladies to have kids. I know that, but it it wouldn't have been, right? This it is part of the curse. It is just what it is. I can't break it. Away. I, I was. Uh, I hope I hope she's watching, all right? Because I don't want it to get back to. I was talking about her outside of this, but uh, so um, Barbara Bush had Aaron. Uh, this so Aaron's lot in this. 20s. I don't know how old he is. So this has been a while back, right? So she has Aaron. I go to the hospital to visit them and to congratulate them. And she says to me, Pastor John, I am never going to do this again. Now there's a verse in the Bible, and I should have looked it up this afternoon but I didn't. But there's a verse in the Bible that literally says that after a time, a woman will forget the difficulty of birth and we'll go back to having another child, right? So I said to her, oh, Miss Barb, I know I hear this all the time, but, you know, you'll probably have another. No, not, I am not having another one, right? So two years later, when Andrea is born, I reminded her of our conversation. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it is tough. I, that's just part of the fall. But guess what else is part of the fall? Look what it says. Can't get away from it. Thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. Now, go ahead. Well, that's true. She might have had, it does, you're right. She might have had some pain with it before, but it's now greatly multiplied. So whatever it was before would have been a burp compared to what it is now, right? Uh, But the second part of this is also there. Um, I'm going to ask this question. What does this have to do with equality? How does this impact equality? None. Not in the least. It's the concept of this. You know, what is the most important um, person in the Army? Is it the general who gives the order? The sergeant who sees it carried out? Or the private who actually... Fulfills the the work. Who's the most important part of that equation? All three. It's equality, right? We're not talking about we're not talking about value. We're talking about responsibility, right? This is this is what our job is. Uh, when you get into Second Timothy chapter two, uh, you remember you go into a, a great house, and a great house there's all kinds of vessels some of wood and some of clay and some of silver and some of gold. Uh, and and if we're not careful, we attach value to that. Like some people are really important and other people are less important. Some are gold and some are just clay. But that's not the statement of the scripture, even in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2. It literally says, you know, if we are doing what God's called us to do, then we are meat for the master's use. We are just what God intends, right? So so the question would be this. Which is most important? The beat-up, stained, nasty-looking pot that you put the roast in and put in the oven? Or the silver platter you serve the roast on? Which is the most important? Well... You don't get the silver platter without the beat-up old pot. You understand? Importance is not the issue. Equality is not the issue. It's, it's where, you know, where we uh, fit into that situation. Well, ladies, I'm sorry. I can't hide this one from you. But here's what the Bible says. Your desire is going to be your husband, and he does have authority over you. You can like that or lump it, but it's still your reality. So you know, you've got to figure out how you're going to deal with it. So that's, then, then the curse comes to Adam, right? Then he says to Adam, because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife and eaten of the tree which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed be the ground for thy sake. and sorrow thou shalt eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns and thistles it will bring forth, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the, in the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread till thou return unto the ground. For out of it thou wast taken. Thus thou art... To dust thou shalt return. So God says, not only is death going to be a part of this, but the whole process. Now, please note here work was not part of the curse. What did Adam and Eve do before the curse? Am I remember? They tended the garden. Work is not. The only, the only thing that's going to change is now the job that they have to do is going to be hard the curse is that the job that you have to do is going to make you sweat now and the earth is no longer going to be helping you before tending the garden was pretty easy you know it's like uh, I, mean, I don't know exactly what it looked like i just know that it didn't make you sweat there weren't no there were no thorns and thistles and, and and you know it it was pretty easy to take care of the garden work was not the issue but it didn't seem like work now work's going to seem like work uh, now you're going to be sweating, and now the ground is going to work against you, and it's going to be difficult, and uh, life is going to be a chore. Every day you get up now is going to be a chore. This is part of, the, part of the curse. Not just spiritual death, although that happens, but it's also part of the curse that you know we have to now labor and toil and sweat and bleed and all of the things that, uh, that make it more difficult for us. So that's what we're going to do. The next event is expulsion from the garden. Uh, The Lord God said, Behold, the man has become as one to us, as one of us, I'm sorry, to know good and evil. And now, lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life. And here's another thing I'm going to tell you that I can't give the answer for. Listen to what it says. Lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore God sent him forth from the garden. So apparently there was a tree in the garden that would have allowed even sinful Adam to exist forever had he eaten of it. Am I reading that right? Apparently, in the garden, had Adam been able to get to the tree of life, he could have lived forever, and God said, lest he do that, and then he is eternally in his lost state. The only way for redemption is that he can't eat of this tree in his non-redemptive state, or he stays like that forever. That would be not good, right? So, you know, lest he do that, God sends him out of the garden. Now, you, you know all the story of the garden. It tells you a little bit about uh, where it's at, uh, but God, look what it says, God drove man out of the, and placed him east of the Garden of Eden, uh, placed Cherubs there, and a flaming sword which turns away, uh, turns every way to keep the way of the tree of life. So God has put a cherub to guard the tree of life. Now here's the question: people have tried to have been asking this forever. Where's the Garden of Eden now? <laughs> so if you look at the rivers, you can say, Oh look, I point, I, I, I've heard, I've literally heard a sermon one time on the Dead Sea and how the Garden of Eden has to be under the Dead Sea. You know what? I've come to this conclusion. If God doesn't tell me, I don't need to know. I'm just here's what I know. You're never going to find it because God has put a cherub there to turn away everyone and to keep anyone from coming to that point. It's never going to happen. Never, ever. It's not going to happen. And by the way, that's the grace of God because if you were to get to the tree of life, you would be condemned to live in the curse forever. Think about that. So it's literally God is, it's the grace of God. But anyway, next thing in Adam's life is the expulsion. We've not gotten to the New Testament yet, and we're really on out of time completely. It's like three minutes till, four minutes till. So, uh But the next thing on the agenda are the births, and uh, these are the things that happened for Adam. And we're about to end what the Bible tells us in the Old Testament about Adam, uh, really quickly. Uh, We'll have to get to it uh, next week, but here's what the Bible says. Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bears Cain and said, I've gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bears brother Abel, and Abel was keeping the sheep, but Cain was the tiller of the ground. And you begin to know the rest of that story. You say, well, the rest of the story doesn't have anything to do with Adam. It does because Adam knew his wife. And God's gonna use that same concept of Adam knowing his wife to bring about a wholly whole different process uh as we get to Seth. So uh we'll look at that next week. So when we we'll break up into prayer groups real quickly, uh remember if you would please, Robert and Jeanette, uh, they're here. You don't have to be secretive about this, right? You can talk to them, they know uh what they're going through and so uh but we would definitely how they would covet your prayers. And um, so then, when you finish, you can be dismissed. Right. God bless you.